Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this All Saints Sunday will be taken from 1 John. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks that you have gathered us to hear your word and worship and to receive your gifts. We pray this day, Lord, that as we hear your word, you would remind us of the good news that we are saints in your kingdom by your grace alone. We pray, O Lord, this day that you would grant us your Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What does it take to become a saint? We tend to define sainthood in our world by what a person does, how they live their lives. At the end of it all, we want to know, were you a good person or were you a bad person? Were you a good person who helped little old ladies cross the street and always finish the vegetables on your plate? Or were you a bad person who said one too many bad words and saw one too many R-rated movies? This is kind of how our world defines what a saint is and what a saint isn't. Sometimes I fear this is how the church defines what a saint is and what a saint isn't. We tend to think of it this way. Imagine for yourself uh, for a moment uh, having died and the angels have come and the angels are are carrying your soul up to heaven and there you are standing outside the pearly gates in the line waiting to hear the judgment. You're standing there in the line waiting to hear what St. Peter has to say to you whether or not you have been good enough to get in or whether or not you're going to have to go downstairs. And as you're standing there in line you notice the person in front of you. And you see them and you think, I recognize that person. Hot dog, that's the criminal I saw on the front of the newspaper a few weeks ago. I'm after him. This is great. If I have to be compared to that guy, I'm a shoe. And after Peter reading him the riot act, I'll be just fine. When I'm compared to that criminal, I've got a shot. I'm a saint compared to that guy. Well, as you're sort of rejoicing in how lucky, wait, no, you're going to heaven, how blessed you are to be standing behind this guy in line, suddenly you see out of the corner of your eye the angels bringing somebody else over. And you're not really paying too much attention, though you do notice people in line kind of murmuring and discussing things among themselves. And as you're sitting there and you're listening to Peter rip the guy in front of you up and down to pieces, you you feel something on your shoulder, and it's an angel. And the angel grabs you by the shoulder and says, excuse me, uh, but we have someone else who needs to get in in front of you. And down they plop Mother Teresa. And now you're behind Mother Teresa in line. And Mother Teresa walks up to St. Peter, and Peter smiles at her, and she smiles at Peter, and they give each other a high five, and they hug, and she skips right in. And Peter's smiling, and then he looks at you. And he scowls, and he opens the book and says, here we go. And now if this is how we define a saint, how one gets into the kingdom by being on the level of Mother Teresa and her goodness and her hard work, now we're in some trouble. Because let's be honest today, folks, you are no Mother Teresa. Now, if this is how we are to judge saints, if we are to look like Mother Teresa, and certainly this is the way the world judges one to be a saint, then very few of us have a lot of hope. Maybe a glimmer, maybe a little bit. But we got a lot of work to do and a lot more orphans to help. But here's the good news for you today on All Saints Sunday. That when it comes to being considered a saint, what you see with your eyes doesn't count for a whole lot. 
What the world judges as a saint counts none. The only judgment that counts is God's. And God has decided to judge his son guilty in your place and to declare you righteous for the sake of Christ. God has decided to call you a sinner, a saint. And a saint, you see, is not someone who lives a morally superior life or who impresses the world with their piety and with their good works. Though to be sure, we are promised by God that saints will produce piety and good works. But that's not what makes one a saint. A saint is a person who is holy. And to be holy means to be set apart by God. To be chosen by God and set apart by God for his particular purposes. To be holy is not a moral category. It is a gracious category. It's to be set apart by God. So that if God has made you to be his saint and he has chosen you and he has set you apart, if you ever have to stand in line behind Mother Teresa, you have nothing to fear because God has called you his saint. Now how do I know this? How do I know that God has called you his saint? How do I know he set you apart and declared you to be holy? Well, because he baptized you. You came in here this morning with his name on your forehead. You were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, when you were baptized, God chose you to be his own and he set you apart as his own. Your heavenly Father who created you out of divine goodness and mercy without worthiness for merit in you has made you his own. To be baptized is to belong to that Father. To be baptized is to belong to the Son, Jesus Christ, who chose to put on your flesh to die in your place and to rise for your salvation and who now reigns over you in mercy. The Lord Jesus in baptism chose to wash you in his blood that you might be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. To be a saint is to belong to the Holy Spirit who has called you by this gospel and baptism, enlightened you with his gifts, sanctified you, made you a saint, and keeps you in the true faith into life everlasting. To be baptized is to belong to the triune God. It is to be holy. It is to be a saint by the gracious work of God on you alone. This is why St. John can say these marvelous words to us today, today in 1 John 3 when he says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. Or I remember the old way they said it is, uh, the, uh, see what kind of love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. And so... We are, we are the children of God because the Father has given his Son to die for us, to rise for us, and now has given us baptism. You are a child of God. You are baptized. You are a saint. And the world doesn't buy it for a second. The world does not agree. The world does not see you as holy as God sees you. John goes on, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him, namely Jesus Christ. See, there's something about the world that they don't see things the way God sees things. There's something in this world where they don't trust or believe the word and the work of God. And that thing is called sin. Think about how the world treated Jesus. 
When they saw Jesus, they didn't hear his word where he said, I am the son of God who's come to die. They didn't see Jesus as a sacrifice and a savior. Rather, they saw him, you know, as kind of this, this nice sort of confused Jewish uh, carpenter who had some good moral teachings, and you hear this all the time these days. He has some good moral teachings, but he does go a little too far when he begins to claim to be God. In fact, so offended was the world by this when Jesus uh, first came on the scene, when he came in the flesh, that they decided they had to kill him. They had to get rid of him. He didn't look very divine to them, yet he went around forgiving sins and giving sight to the blind and raising the dead, and it was too much, so they crucified him. And if this is how they treat the master of the house, how are they going to treat the servants? The world will look at you as a saint and call you foolish. It will tell you that you believe old wives' tales. You worship false deities based off of myths that you receive from old documents that aren't worth trusting at all. You are closed-minded. You are hypocritical as Christians. To the world, you will look poor and sorrowful, meek and starving for righteousness. And when you go out preaching this righteousness, you go out proclaiming this Jesus Christ, the world will turn on you, and it gets to the point at times where the world will even persecute you and try and attack you just as they have done to Jesus Christ. And so this is why we sing in that marvelous hymn this morning, The Church is One Foundation, we sing these words. Though with a scornful wonder the world sees her oppressed, by schisms rent asunder and heresies distressed. Yet, saints their watch are keeping and the cry goes up how long. And soon the night of weeping will be the morn of song. The world looks upon the church with a scornful wonder. The world looks upon saints and mocks them and laughs at them. But so what? What can they do to us? For you see, you are baptized. You belong to Jesus Christ and he himself has called you his saint. The fact of the matter is that the glories and the joys of sainthood are often hidden from the eyes of the world. The reality is sometimes the joys and the glories of sainthood are even hidden from us. We don't even see that we're saints in our own eyes. John goes on to say this, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. Because we hear now that we are children of God, but the reality is, we don't always see the sort of saintliness in our own lives. We continue to wrestle with our own sin. Our guilt hangs around our necks. You are beset by temptation and daily failure and struggle and sin. And you know what it's like. You know what it's like when you get home at night and it's been one of those particularly sinful days and you don't really want to look in the mirror. Because you know that when you look in the mirror, you're not going to be looking back at a person who acted very holy. You're going to be looking in the eyes of a sinner. And you feel like a sinner. And it's in those moments when the devil fires his darts at our consciences and calls us sinners. And you feel it in like every aspect of your life. You feel like you're failing as a spouse. You feel like you're failing as a parent, as a friend. You feel like you're failing as a churchgoer. You feel like you're failing as a Christian. And at times you might feel like it because you are. And you hunger and you thirst for righteousness in your own life because... You're just not experiencing it the way you want to. And yet in all of this, your baptism remains. See, the world's judgment of you does not matter. The devil's accusations against you don't define you. Your judgment of yourself does not 
matter. What matters is God's judgment, and God has called you his saint, and he has given you his son to daily and richly forgive you your sins. Where you sit today in this sanctuary now, now you are a child of God, whether you feel like it or not. John says again, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Think about that. You are a saint now, and and now you wrestle with sin, and now you struggle with all the temptations and the attacks of the devil and and went this world, but you will see Jesus, and when you see Jesus, you will be like him. You will no longer be burdened by sin or sorrow or pain or death. You will no longer endure the scoffing of your enemies or of the world. You will no longer have to fight off the attacks of Satan and your guilty conscience because you will be free. You will be with Christ. You will see Christ and you will be like him as he is. Today you have this hope given to you as a promise. And so John concludes, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You are pure. You are baptized. You are a saint. See, here's the good news for you today. Here's the reality. You are no Mother Teresa. It's far better than that. You are a baptized, beloved child of God. You are a saint. And though you still battle down here in the church militant against sin, death, and the devil, remember as you come to the altar today and you gather around the throne of the Lamb, that you will be joining with all the saints, both here in the church militant on earth and also with all the saints in the church triumphant who gather around the the throne of Jesus Christ. And as you come to this foretaste of the feast to come, know that you are numbered among those who have come out of this great tribulation. And one day the Lord Jesus will return for you with all of them and you will join their company. And with them you will be, as we read in Revelation today, before the throne of God. And you will serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter you with his presence. And you shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. And the sun will not strike you, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be your shepherd, and he will guide you to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. That is your hope today. That is what you will be. For you are baptized. You are a saint. For Christ's sake alone. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you have called us to be saints in your kingdom in the waters of baptism. We ask you, Lord, to use us now as your people in this world. Purify us even as Jesus is pure and teach us to be lights in the darkness. Lord, when we suffer for righteousness' sake, Sustain us all the more and strengthen us all the more that we might serve you in your kingdom for all of eternity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing together for all the saints, verses 7 and 8.